Hey everyone, this is Chris. I'm here with Katya Harris. I currently work as the Director of Partnerships for the New York State Brewers Association. And Chris and I are talking about relationships or connections <laughs> um, between art as a therapeutic tool and practice and process and how that might translate in unconventional ways. Into different industries. And yes, markets. into different. And yes, yes, I'm super exactly. excited to talk Thank with you, for you the, about this. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> All right, great. Perfect. Welcome to Field Pod's Season 2 series of Summer Shorts. I worked at our Omai. I started there as an executive assistant and then moved into development mm-hmm. and worked as a development manager. So was on the fundraising and event production side of it. Happened to know about a similar... A position with the New York State Brewers Association, which is also a nonprofit association. It's 501c6 versus 501c3 for any nonprofit <laughs> nerds out there. Yes. Um, it's a trade association. We can lobby, unlike 501c3s who cannot. And the I just realized that the skills were totally transferable. And I decided to apply, frankly, because it was a pay raise and Mm -hmm. because my title was a directorship. And so I get to pretty much run fundraising for an organization, which is pretty cool. Which is great. Yeah. 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 We were talking about having transferable skills that you can take into other industries, Mm -hmm. but it does seem like kind of a big switch. And you were at Art. Oh my. Yes. For, <laughs> for three years? For three years, yes. Okay. Yes. So a while and like long enough to know if you wanted to stay there or if yes. you were going to be able to get a more of a raise and like yes. kind of felt it out for and, a while. And feel it out. Yeah. You know, the kind of reality of nonprofit work is like, it, it is what it is. And our OMI is an awesome organization. I don't personally have any anything bad to say. The, the reality was I had bought a house with my wife and it was post-pandemic in pandemic pandemic. in pandemic post-pandemic times so a lot of like volatility not that our oh my wasn't stable or anything like that it just seemed like a it just seemed like a move and a good move and yeah the skills totally were transferable and I'm so grateful to everything that I learned at our oh my and I worked with amazing people just lucky that I had a good foundation and my skills totally translated to a new industry which is what I'm dealing with now is just yes. learning a whole new industry craft beer if you're in New York think New York trick New York go get a New York craft beer <laughs> I love that you just fully plugged the tagline Un- unashamed unashamed think I, New York drink New York I have abs- it on the back of my car <laughs> absolutely as you should everybody go get our, our stickers okay. anyway yeah. Anyways, I feel like people must ask you all the time, oh, you must drink a lot of beer now or something. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, I always yeah. drink a lot of beer. But yes, I do. <laughs> now I'm much more well-versed yeah. in my craft beer, New York craft beer knowledge. So my palate is definitely much more diversified. <laughs> Probably one of the most well-versed in New York craft Although, you know, uh, who knows? My coworkers know so yes. much more. And your wife awesome. Uh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Maybe doesn't know more, but certainly you're both developing like yes. a deep understanding of craft breweries. Yes, and it truly like is a craft to bring it back to the kind of creative angle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. What's kind of what's been fascinating is that is to see the creativity in the brewing industry. The craft brewers themselves, they are at once their CEOs, their scientists, engineers. Yep. 
and artists. Yep. Like, they have to know it all. Kind of lucky that I get to support a bit of that. Yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, before we started recording and we were talking about this, like, being a maker at heart and mm-hmm. wanting to create things and the just diversity of ways that you can make things. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was wondering, yeah, if that was actually part of the factor and feeling really comfortable and happy around a working at the New York State Brewers Association Mm -hmm. B being around makers who get to talk to you because it's also art is always a combination it's not like making art is devoid of science Mm -hmm. and marketing or Mm -hmm. any of those things like it's all very deeply embedded Embedded in that that. and it just feels like I was I was trying to remember someone's name who made these amazing slime molds it'll come (laughs) come back to me but like training slime mold to like move across Mm -hmm. the page and kind of making these organic marks with it and working with nature but anyways I feel like you also have such a deep relationship with nature Mm -hmm. in your work Mm -hmm. um and I was thinking about, you know, the kind of therapeutic uses of art, mm-hmm. especially being someone who now has like a very full-time job mm-hmm. outside of a studio practice, but mm-hmm. you still are making, making. things pretty yeah. often. And like, you also have integrated it with your practice of going hiking mm-hmm. and being in nature and using your body. Yep. And I'm curious about that and like how, how that kind of shift happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of funny I feel like I have more time now to create and have a little tiny bit of a art practice now than I did working for an arts organization and maybe it was you know just timing having moved back to New York State you know to a new city and the house and whatever but yeah just to bring it back a little bit to what you said about working with like creative people it's like I do work with creative people every day I have some interface with brewers but then also a lot of the people that I'm working with are marketing directors or managers and they're they're totally creative people and the idea it's you know it's the same thing as a nonprofit. you're trying to sell but or get buy-in on on an idea and our idea is not art it's it's craft beer and so so it's kind of nice that creative drive is sort of behind the work that I'm doing but then as far as how like my practice now integrates um, it's definitely you know it is it is therapeutic in a sense that I can start my day or end my day with you know as simple as like a sketch or like a funny little cartoon about my plants which is the other thing yeah that's very creative that I do as I garden and that's all about creating something and watching it grow I made this comment like I don't want to be disingenuous and say like oh I have this robust art practice currently because it's not you know it's not studio based but it's it is very much processing it's like okay this is where I am in my life this is how I can process and integrate like spending time in nature and and what is that doing for me and process anything I'm learning with my job um, and just like with my life and so I have a, a, a small little practice and it's consists of sketching and making little paintings and it's not it's totally just a reflection of like my awe at, at nature and like it's I think of everything as like a little devotional um, to to like watching something grow um, which is you know I also am around that like every day like I'm talking to brewers and vendors who grow mm-hmm. hops who right. grow malt culture. and like it's in and they're growing culture and so yeah. it's there's a there's a strange kind of 
it's sort of strange because I think I'm using art right now as a way just to sort of integrate everything into my life because it seems very disparate at times, but it is very connected. Yeah, and that there's a super strong relationship. I mean, as we were just saying, I think between brewing and the creativity and mm-hmm. science that go into that and then um, processing and growing things also in your garden Mm -hmm. too I feel like there's such a strong relationship there you're both making something Mm -hmm. but you're allowing it to be its own thing and to grow into what it is and just to let it Mm -hmm. be what it is it's like you know a plant ultimately it's a plant sure you can figure out what soil combination Mm -hmm. to give it but at the end of the day it's going to do what it's going to do that seems so I mean I feel like that's one of the things being a complete control (laughs) needing complete control myself often like I love going doing stuff in the studio that I'm like bam I did this thing and now it's like done Mm -hmm. there's something so much more open and wonderful I think about planting the seeds of something and then kind of let it like letting that be the creative act and then letting the thing itself just yes. grow and become something yes and I think and I think part of it is like to like bring it back to like academic art speak is like this <laughs> this idea of like is your focus more on process or the final product and like mm-hmm. right now it's like totally all about process yes like I don't really care what I end up with it's just the act of sitting there and doing it is giving me time and space to think about mm-hmm. all of these new things kind of bring them together and so, yeah, it's very much all about watching it grow versus being really worried about, well, what am I going to get at the end? Yeah, it's very trusting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's both trusting yourself and then also just being trusting of, like, it doesn't matter and, like, nature will kind of do whatever yes. is the right thing. Yeah, it's sort that. of, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I'm trusting kind of my intuition and the process and it's the same, yeah, it's the same exact thing. It's trusting that what will grow or maybe not grow is is what it's meant to be that's such a wonderful place (laughs) to be and I feel like it's also like indicative of being relatively younger but now feeling established like in okay this is what I want to kind of do with my life or you're trying to figure those things out at least Mm -hmm. actually we were kind of talking about this and in a minute I'll back up and I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions about Mm -hmm. like education and art and whatever but um I'm actually really curious about that like you were talking about being a maker and feeling like that is a really Mm -hmm. core part of who you are Mm -hmm. but also accepting that like it's completely fine to allow a for to have had a studio practice and to now have more of like a sketching and making and like going out into the world Mm -hmm. and doing things practice and it's like an allowing yourself to kind of grow into something that's comfortable and works for your life you know yeah exactly and I think the realization too that like creativity it can be more about than just what you're making in the studio like I think I'm like living the most creatively I maybe ever have in in the sense of the experiences I'm creating for myself um and you know like my family my friends and just trying to really embrace that making and and, you know even like art making it can be much more than just what you're producing in a studio yes and it's you know and for me it's like it's definitely there is a connection to like growing things there's a connection to taking a walk or taking a hike and 
seeing what comes of it and seeing how much growth there is there. It's interesting because you work not exactly in marketing, but you work on basically fundraising for mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, and you have been doing that for a long time, and yet at the same time you have kind of pushed yourself away from being in the market mm-hmm. as an artist. Yeah. Um, and do you feel like that was a very conscious decision because of that or is it more like a an evolution that happened without it being necessarily like I don't want to be involved in the market yeah it's I think it was just it was just an evolution honestly it like if you if you think about the last five years so which have been which have been totally crazy (laughs) and so part of it is I left grad school and my goal was to get into a teaching position which so cliche but so many MFA graduates like that's the goal and it's the most competitive yes to get into and so I, I so I was not successful so I knew I wanted you know what I knew right then at the time and I was I, I was marketable with my fancy new degree was that I you know I could I could work in an arts organization so that's yeah. what I found I found what I was good at and that was producing things producing events producing a membership program yes producing for the organization and and then having to make a move from North Carolina to New York finding finding an apartment then getting thrown into the pandemic then deciding to get married in a pandemic during the pandemic then deciding right. to buy a house in the pandemic <laughs> and so and and then yeah. not to mention like the like the social turmoil the political turmoil the just like the turmoils of living not not to get like super personal but like i i have like trauma i'm dealing with in therapy like so so it wasn't necessarily it wasn't a choice to like get out of the market it was more like this is what makes sense now i can't necessarily devote the energy that is needed to be very to be to produce a lot and so yeah that's just what made what made sense so i decided not to pursue looking to get into galleries not to pursue shows um even though i had had a little bit of a history of that just to sort of use it as a practice that's helping me just to make sense of all of this kind of horrible stuff yeah um in the world but also my own um, kind of like quick evolution um, of my own life in the yes. span of it feels just like a things few have years. moved really fast yeah. for you in yeah. the last few years. This tends to happen after you finish an MFA, but still, it feels mm. like you've made a lot of leaps through yeah. things. Yeah. You know, you had this job at a great mm-hmm. place where you were working for a little while after thinking of trying to maybe teach and then kind of mm-hmm. saying, no, actually, I'm really good at doing this production Mm -hmm. um jobs like this and then making the switch to working at the brewers association Mm -hmm. on top of everything else right um that's happening in your life and going to therapy and Mm -hmm. etc etc like how much time in a day does one have right exactly i feel like artists feel a lot of guilt often yes about like i've had to take years to get my life in order yes. and I wasn't and, and then I wasn't producing or, anything you know and I've yeah. totally had that guilt I've totally yeah. had that guilt like I there was this gorgeous gorgeous beautiful painting I made and it took me I started it the, the timeline is going to be totally wrong but I think I started it in 2019 mm-hmm. and I don't think I finished it until um, mid 2021 and there was a span of time where I told myself it's like you have to finish this I literally woke up at like 5 a.m. Um, every single day for three months until yeah. I finished it and I only had I had 45 minutes in the beginning of the day yeah. I woke up at 5 I made coffee I worked for 45 minutes and then I like started making breakfast 
like it was that sort of and then that was sort of fueled by like this guilt to like not get anything done um and now in hindsight it's like that was kind of crazy why did I make it kind of unhealthy it was like why did I make myself do that and so now it's just like it's okay like you can leisurely take your time with something and like not feel this crazy pressure um, is that painting one of the like identity series like figurative it is, ones? It's or? it's it's the one. It's on a blue background. It's a woman in three quarter view. She's sort of looking down, and she's got a crown of white lilies, mm-hmm. and the lilies mm-hmm. are uh, bejeweled with rhinestones galore. So let's back up for a second because yes. you've talked, you've alluded a lot to your past and education, mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask you first of all how you started making art and decided to go to school for art because you did decide to mm-hmm. go to undergrad right yep. for art yep. you also did a double major with psychology mm-hmm. and that was at Elmira that College. was Elmira yep how did all of that start yeah. were you always thinking of yourself as an artist as a kid or is this something that kind of evolved yeah I have always made art as you know a kid I was always labeled as like the kid that loves that loves to draw the kid that loves to paint the kid right. that's always making stuff yes. So it's kind of funny. Um, so I was adopted at seven from Russia, and s- some of the few things that I came from Russia with are like little art pieces, Aww. like made like the like this weird Aww. clay face thing. These like you know, I at the time it was it was from ages you know yeah. f- four to seven. Yeah. So it's not like it's <laughs> beautiful, but you know, there's like little watercolors of birds in a in like a snowy scene. And then, yeah, the decision to to pursue art in undergrad was definitely conscious. You know, I knew I wanted to do it. Simply just the fact that I loved it and I enjoyed it. And I yes. knew I was going to be disappointed if I didn't pursue it. And so for a while, I had, I also like loved psychology. I took a psychology course mm-hmm. in my senior year of, of high school as an elective. I, and I was like, whoa, like this is really cool. I, you know, think I can maybe like I'll be a counselor or like even going to psychiatry. And so when I left undergrad, that's what I was going to pursue. Right. I was going to try to apply to med school to go into psychiatry. And I moved to North Carolina and I was um, wanted to go to um, go to UNC Chapel Hill and I had all this plan and had some friends who were who were in med school, you know, pursuing that because they had, you know, they had their stuff together and and they they took all the proper courses (laughs) when I did not take any hard science. So, you know, I I was I was going back and taking my chemistries and what have you. Um, But then it was it was an odd time. So that was 2012, 2013. And so uh, listening to my friends going through that experience I was like so disillusioned I was like I actually don't think that's what I want to do I being a medical doctor like really wasn't my dream after that I just kind of worked at some uh, really retail based jobs for for a little bit and I and I was making art the whole time and then I had this decision of like oh I've been making art I like have a portfolio I should pursue a art degree because I I was also teaching I had always I had always um picked up kind of the odd teaching job at like an art center um or um at like a kids camp or or what have you just because I had always loved it 
and yeah and so knowing that that was the most viable path to like teaching um that's what I did I ended up going to East Carolina University they have a great MFA program uh in studio art had most awesome professors got a whole ton out of it and then yeah you know I graduated in 2018 from that program yeah and like just could not you know was moving back to New York just literally applied to 35 places only one place that was interested and they ended up not hiring me and so I was like well you know keep looking and then started looking for the jobs that were not teaching related more broadly yep Mm -hmm. so that was that's the whole big arc (laughs) I mean, but that's such a, it feels so good to hear you describe that too, because Mm -hmm. like all of the unseen labor that goes into figuring out what you're doing with your life Mm -hmm. and your career and your art practice. And so much of people's art practice is not doing shit in the studio, but is actually like putting yourself out there in the world and marketing yourself. And like, of course you have that skill. Yeah. Well, and it's also all of the, it's all of the reading that you're doing. It's all of the like literal mental cataloging you're doing of like, oh, here's an image, like either that I'm like stealing from the internet to like get inspiration uh, for from later or like, oh, here's this weird plant that I, that I just saw. Let me take a picture of it and (laughs) let me remember to use it later in a painting. Like it's all of that stuff, which like it's, it's sometimes it's really difficult to like describe to people like the work of it you know somebody sees a finished painting or or even just a sketch it's like well what went into that so it's so hard to quantify that yes it's like it was actually a lot of thought and labor that like nobody is seeing yeah 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 but that's kind of the magical thing about making artwork anyways is it compresses all of that work and time all into like one space at least when we're talking about making two or even three dimensional Mm -hmm like solid material artworks Mm -hmm. um because obviously there's a different kind of compression that happens with like film or something like that um that's more time-based medium Mm -hmm. but like something that's not a time-based medium Mm -hmm. it always blows me away like even if it's something that was made quickly experiencing all of the marks all at once that have been put down is just like a constant when I go to a museum, I often find myself unpacking how a painting is made. Oh, me do you too. Do that? Yeah. Absolutely. Because I'm like, oh, I can imagine yeah. sitting here Completely. for 35 yeah. hours and doing this. Yeah. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, A, is I think it's so important to talk about having a practice that's not necessarily like a studio practice where you're making something for a show that's coming up. Yes. You know, like where you're making work because it's A, part of your therapy and your work on yourself and Mm -hmm. you feel like you have to make it that's the kind of practice that I feel is really sustainable Mm -hmm. um and to not like be forgetting about all of the joy of actually making work you know for so many artists I feel like you get sucked into the marketing of it Mm -hmm. and the pressures around and the marketing yourself and your work yeah and and not no and and you're right yeah I don't mean to also interrupt but um the pressure just to produce Mm -hmm. Like, there is such a joy in making something just for the joy of making it. Um, One of my professors in grad school, Scott Eagle, like, that was his whole thing. It was all about the process. Like, the biggest thing I took away from all of his courses was get lost, like, in the process and just enjoy it because 
because yeah there's so much pressure to to sell yourself yeah and it's like yeah I, I don't know I think sometimes I think about it and like you know I think I could step away from a you know full-time job and and do pursue art but like I'm not sure how I'm not sure how I would manage that practice because I, I wouldn't want to lose that magic of just yeah. making stuff and just enjoying making it yeah that's I feel a constant moderation do, do you have advice for that <laughs> no. Uh, no but what I was just thinking is like when you when I first went into my undergrad you I went in maybe with an expectation that I think a lot of people go into it with which is like this is gonna be something that's really fun and I enjoy doing because that's how it is now like mm -hmm. I in high school painted sets for like my school plays I love doing that I love doing a lot of like big production things and then the reality of like clashing into this is actually an entirely capitalist thing in our society yes. that's like hugely all about like how, how what you produce and sometimes it's all about being consistent or other times it's about making yourself a brand mm -hmm. like there's all of these parts of being an artist who's in the market that's really different from being an artist who is maybe like not all artists really are kind of participating in the market in some way mm -hmm. um but an artist who maybe has a practice that is a more therapeutic or b just generally is not trying to push itself into the market mm -hmm. right like how do you get that joy when you're still when you're working and trying to have shows and mm -hmm. have it even if you like have gallery representation there's so much pressure on you then from gallery representation from collectors like mm -hmm. you, i feel a constant um I feel angry about it all the time. So my solution is when people start to like something, I usually stop making it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, mm, you like this a little bit too much, so. It's so, it's so bad. I mean, it just says something psychologically about me that's like, okay, so people like when I make, um, you know, like whatever it is. Like I was making paintings of dudes' butts yes. for so long. Yep. Lots of people bought them and loved them and were like, these are great. And it's so simple, you know? Yes. And I was just like, no, I can't keep doing this. This is like too, too many people like this. You're not, you're I not going to be the, no, I know what you're saying. I, I, I did, I did participate in the butt era of your, <laughs> of your paintings. Uh, they are excellent and hysterical. And you know. I feel like they're also very therapeutic, which is another thing that I think is, has been super important for me. I've carried on my studio practice despite mm -hmm. doing a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm because it performs a therapeutic role for me. And it's also a great, like, different kind of mental space to go into, to work on creating something and making a painting. And like, mm -hmm. sometimes I listen to podcasts or music, but like often I end up kind of just either not listening or turning everything off. Are you ever just silent? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 oh no my that's God. what I mean, yeah. 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 Um, you know, like sometimes I'll just like completely turn everything yeah. off and it's quiet. Right. And I really need that, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of mental space is the joyful thing for me mm -hmm. because it's a lot of like space for reflection yes. in my life. And yeah, it really which does. Is yeah. Yeah. I yeah. totally resonate with that. Yeah. So I feel like that, I don't know, that's one of the most important things for me, whether you're making art for the market or not, you can still use it as a therapeutic practice. Yes. And I also feel like just because you're making things that you're not necessarily making to show or mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it right now, that it's all just kind of part of the longer spectrum of like who is to say that you're not going to go back to having a studio practice or maybe right. it evolves into something else right. I mean also this is such a stupid comment I'm sorry but <laughs> but 
I always like, I am not as erudite and well-versed about brewing culture in New York as you are now, but I've always chosen beers based on the graphic design. (laughs) Yes. And those, let me tell you, those people are some of the most creative people. So cool. Um, Yes. uh, To make a great beer can label. That stands out. Right. Super Think about everything you're competing against. Yeah, absolutely. There is like actually literally, you know, an artistic sector to craft brewing. Yes. And I always wonder about like artist collaborations with Mm -hmm. brewers and things like that that I feel like could really like be brought in in interesting ways. Yeah. Even brewers asking artists to come on. Like I would love Mm -hmm. to see brewers do like an artist residency program. That would be really like cool. Um, yeah. So, uh, and obviously, like your your smaller hometown brewer um, isn't necessarily going to have the resources for right, that. Right. The but access or resources. Sure. Mm-hmm. But like, but a bigger brewery. Every state has their big big craft breweries. But that, that would be a really cool possibility. And as far as like collaborations with artists, um, how I've seen it so far. I've been in the industry six or seven months, so not not that long at all. But how I've seen it is, you know, brewers will collaborate a lot. So they will say, we want to produce a beer. Sometimes it's for a cause. There are a lot of um, collaborative beer. There were collaborative beers um, around Black Lives Matter, for example. There have been some more recently like reproductive uh, justice. Mm-hmm. There is a great organization called Pink Boots Society within the brewers culture and it's it's all about it's a nonprofit and it's all about championing women in in craft beer in whatever capacity that might be. Mm-hmm. And they do a lot of collaboration. So they'll say, hey, you know, brewer A and B, um, let, like let's let's collaborate um, to produce this beer, and it, it might be very specific. Maybe they donate a portion of the revenue from selling that beer to an organization, or maybe to put on an event, um, things like that. And and a lot of them will specifically look to to work with artists for their label that might represent a certain demographic or a certain region or what have you right. and they'll you know they'll say you know this is what we want the artwork to represent like and they'll look for an artist that they know can produce that so so that's that's very interesting we're working on a on a brewers festival now that literally has an artist like open call um, for a collaborative beer label. That's very cool. Which is very cool. Yeah. So yeah, there is a lot of that, and it's it's yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's something I never ever thought about. I've picked many a craft beer cans up and looked at the <laughs> label and been like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. Definitely the person that goes out and buys a beer for the label. Um, but yeah, it's really cool. Thank to, God it's not just me. <laughs> no, absolutely not just you. It's something I never thought about before, and it's really cool to see it now um, mm-hmm. from from the kind of administrative end and, and seeing how it all comes together. Yeah, was, I mean, it's interesting too. I I hadn't really thought about this before we started talking, but you were saying it's not only that craft brewing is an outlet and has attachments to art and is inviting artists to collaborate, but mm-hmm. it can also be. A political tool or mm-hmm. like a space yeah. in which to like actually bring up important political discussions yeah like these business owners like they they will stand up for what they will stand up for they're acting as as good citizens in their communities and the things that they're choosing to support really do reflect i, I think their values and, and who they are um and, and who they are as community members yeah beer is also especially craft brewing in a lot of ways to me 
I think it's so interesting because it can be really tied to location. It and it is. It's so much tied to yeah. location, and it's it's very it's like site specific almost. And yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's and it's so social. Um, mm-hmm. You know, beer is getting away from the stereotype of fraternity and sorority, like drinking and and, and you know, yeah, yeah, all of that, like the mass consumption yeah. of it, like craft beer. It's really about, you know, the idea is, is like beer is a vehicle for social connection. Yes. It's a it's a vehicle for community making and place making. That is a whole conversation in and of itself. But yeah, like really seeing that and paying attention to it has been fascinating. Yeah. And just learning about it. Um, and, and really now starting to like feel a kinship to that. Like, sure, absolutely. I've been to my local brewer and totally like have seen how that little brewery impacts the city that it's in the small city that it's in and then you know the people who go there yeah um, as a meeting place as a as a social place and as as a venue for social justice too yeah yeah fear does bring people together (laughs) it sounds super corny right it's almost like corny and cliche but it's true but it's true and i i think it really makes a lot of sense that you've transitioned into doing this job you might think of it in a way as being outside of art, but it's really not. I mean, it's there in the name. It's mm-hmm. craft brewing. Right. Craft. Right. Making. Making. Like, it's yep. there. <laughs> yep. It, it it's, is. Yeah. In, in some, there's so many connections. And to go from, from art to beer, it, it does seem very disparate, but there are definitely through lines and, and the connections are there. Well, I'm super excited to see what you do with this job, what you, like, bring I'm also like really curious about the kinds of like interventions and new perspectives that you're going to bring to the New York State Brewers Association it seems really obvious that you will bring (laughs) very new and creative perspectives to it yeah so thank you so much for chatting I think we should probably wrap up yes thanks so much Chris this is field pod summer short have a great summer bye Oh, absolutely. Yes. Don't cut this out. Don't I'm, cut this out. I'm high. <laughs> oh, maybe I was like, this maybe is what I want. Maybe we'll put but this But I would have, like, I put the, like, jalapeno. So, like, some yes. of them are have some more you. bite than others. Thank like, you. Just Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>